I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm director of the Fifth Element, where I highlight Fifth Element hip hop, which is knowledge. Mm, it's lit. It's digging in the digits. Sean C. <laughs> RB album coming out 2021. <laughs> we got the no way in hell I'm doing that. We got the Buff Boy. We've got the Buff Boy, ladies and gentlemen. Charlie Taylor, the Buff Boy. Oh, right. I see we're doing that. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> hey, man, don't worry about it. We're going to talk about this shit when we get to a lighter note. Oh. We are going to gas Charlie the fuck up we're gonna gas him up we're gonna get him through the holiday period just on a wave of self-confidence it's gonna happen man it's gonna happen <clears throat> okay hi ben how's your week been <laughs> what have you been to this week well we uh we're going back into lockdown soon it looks like because we're getting our second wave so right before christmas shout man, out join right. the squad yeah man join the lockdown squad it's gonna be fucking fantastic lockdown gang. I can't wait, man. I can't, bro. This shit is just—it's just wild. So, it's given me a lot of time, obviously, to listen to a lot of music because I have not been seeing friends or going out or doing anything apart from just driving around, which is, you know, driving around and listening to music. I know it's a trope, but it is still underrated. It is just so top tier. I don't know how many people still do it because obviously, we're all busy. We all have jobs. We're all doing shit all the time. But like. Just sitting down, giving yourself an hour to put some music on. It's great, man. So I'm not going to go best to worst. I'm just going to say some shit this week, what I listened to. I got into E40 and Two Shorts, Ain't Going to Do It, and Terms and Conditions. And to be honest, I never thought I'd say this, but I like the Two Short side more than the E40 side. Now, that's not to say that I don't like Too Short, but to me, E40 is a top 10 rapper of all time. You can at me, you can DM me, you can you can quote tweet me, you can do whatever you want, man. I genuinely feel like he is just a superstar and the amount of effort and energy he's put in and just like 30 years of greatness. So I thought that Too Short sounds pretty much the same as always on this record, but uh, I just really enjoyed it. His delivery is really striking. It always stands out. His lyrics are really cold-hearted, you know, it's all about pimping. Uh, it's hard-edged. It's too short, man. It's it's hard not to like too short. He's he's a legend. Now E40 sound he sounded scattered on his last few releases. This is kind of the same, man. There's too much random stuff here. Like past the chalice sounds like an E40 D side. Uh, Girl, I see you winning is really kind of low tier E40. Um, I, sometimes I don't get the you know I don't get the connection when he's dropping a bit of a love song. Swangin' is just a kind of faux smooth, which is a bit frustrating because there's also great songs on here like uh, Dapper Don, Dress Like a D-Boy, uh, M.O.B. It's just patchy. And the thing is, I would accept this from like 99% of other artists, but with E-40, the dude drops like three albums on the same day and there's like one or two mid-songs on it. That's how insane this guy's consistency is. And 
yeah, look, man, I'm still going to listen to it, you know, and go back to it and, and pick my favorite songs and, you know, put them on playlists and stuff. But I just just felt like it wasn't up to his level of quality. Uh, I got to Chef G, proud of me now. Uh, I don't know how Chef G did this, man, but he pulled off that tiptoe song with uh, Sleepy Hollow. It's, it's sitting in the middle of the album. It just makes perfect sense. It's actually one of the best tracks on here, which is saying a fair bit because it's a it's a good album. Uh, there's a few more melodic tracks than I expected, but you know they they sit well in the album. I think it's a very solid solid release. I uh, I put it on and and went two times back to back. I think it's only like it's pretty short, so it's it's a good quality listen. ASAP Ant, Little Black Jean Jacket Two. Uh, ASAP Ant has mastered the one flow. He's mastered it, so maybe on his next album he could go and grab a second or a third flow because I just—it's a pretty long album, or there's a lot of songs, and it's like, oh, well, now we're back in the same flow again. It's kind of like, you know, maybe just switch it up a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it sounds kind of SoundCloudy, kind of DIY, which uh, I didn't really f- expect considering ASAP is in front of his name. I thought maybe they were all sharing equipment and and facilities but maybe they're not maybe it is just done in his bedroom or something like that but um yeah i want to see what he comes up with next uh it's the first time i've ever listened to asap ant so you know take that with a grain of salt um little wayne no ceilings three the b-side do we need the b-side i don't think we needed the b-side but anyway i think Lil wayne is just putting out content just to put it out now uh there's nothing really much here that's new or exciting he kind of raps over a bunch of beats that are pretty innocuous on their own. Uh, it's mainly the main artist who has made these beats iconic or great. And I don't think Little Wayne is really doing anything particularly exciting or different. You know, I mean, he's got high energy. He's he's really engaging. He's trying to, you know, he's trying to slay every beat. But it's just the content, man. I'm not like on, on the original No Ceilings, he raps. New Orleans coroner, his name is Frank Minyard. Fuck with me wrong, you'll be waking up his, in his yard. Like, that's the kind of shit he was on. That's It's just wild shit. How the fuck does he know who the New Orleans coroner is? Like, he would have had to Google that or do something. Like, this, you know, but this time it's just... I don't know, man. It's not a bad project, once again, but it isn't up to his standards of his heyday, and I think that's why I continue to struggle. I don't want re- rappers to replicate their, their, their peaks word for word, but it seems like Wayne is just tired now. Like he's really exhausted most avenues and he's just kind of a little bit lost. And I hope he can find some, you know, new artistic directions because he's a legend to me and he always will be. I just, it's a bit disappointing. Uh, Crime Scene by Ransom. Great production. Uh, Ransom sounds clear and concise. His lyrics are very vivid, very jarring at times, like very, paints a very vivid picture. The features on here, man. Stove God Cooks came by for a fucking couple of all-timer verses. Like, really smashed it. I did enjoy this project. I'm, I'm not Ransom's biggest fan, but this project as a whole was a really good listen. J.I. The Prince of NY, uh, HLKV3. This is my favorite project of the week. This is great, man. J.I. has this poignancy about him. Like, he has a real grace when he's rapping about very, very intense things. Very th- things that 99.9% of the world are not going to experience. And yet he drags you into that experience and tells you how he was feeling. And, you know, it's it's very uh, it's a very challenging listen in that sense because, you know, you don't want anyone to be going through these things. You don't want anyone to have to have done the things he's done and seen the things he's seen. But um, 
it's important to educate people of, of what's going on out there and what people have gone through to get to this point in their life. And it's all done uh, kind of in a melodic R&B way, and it's very smooth. So it's it's pretty insane. Like you you would expect him to be more like Stove God Cooks or Flea Lord or something like very very like uh, gritty and and guttery. But it's not like that at all, man. It's very it's very glitzy. Uh, I like it. Check it out. I, I would highly recommend J.I. the Prince of NY. And finally, Parks. Parks on the boards. Uh, dropped a Christmas album with fucking a fire feature list. I haven't written anything down here. I was just listening to it last night on Bandcamp. So it's not on streaming services. It's on Bandcamp. Go pay some money. Help him out. Like, this album is fucking flames, man. Christmas albums are normally garbage, but this is just heat. The production is just wild the samples that he chooses and loops up are, are great um the feature uh, stovewell cooks is on there uh joey bars i think is his name is on there there's a couple of people on there who are just yeah it's a great project it's it's in that griselda vein again that um that kind of emerging underground that i come in here every week and praise and great project if you want christmas music to put on i tell you what this would be hilarious if you put this on at the family christmas not that we're all gonna have anyone because it's fucking lockdown <laughs> but you put this on grandma's gonna fall out of her seat man like this is it's a great project so that's me charlie what about yourself <laughs> that's funny um yeah, I've gone to uh, five uh, decent projects right here this week uh started off with uh, a shia karana uh, trust the EP, uh, very reminiscent of uh, of a uh, K Young uh, uh, middle matters. They kind of, they, they kind of, uh, they kind of uh, I guess vibe wise uh, very mi- mi- link up to me. Um, each, they both have this very uh, just spoken word kind of delivery, but um, I say Ashia comes through some really interesting uh, uh, subject matter and just like yeah, you know going all over the place with it in terms of subjects. Uh, and for five tracks in eleven minutes, um, it's kind of uh, it's it's got a good variety to it. I actually, do not mind it. So uh, shout out to Ashia, uh, Mers and DJ Dot Fresh, not DJ Fresh, the EDM DJ DJ Dot Fresh, uh, Love and Rockets Volume Two. The declaration. I feel like with Mers, right, and this is the same with um, the last project. I think I listened. There was his. I, f- I forget. Who, I forget who he was with. He was with someone else. Um, and uh, I think you. Do you remember that when, like, uh, I was talking about the really cringe sex bars that he had? Oh like, yeah. You know? um, <laughs> they were yeah, wild. Uh, Mers has got the worst sex uh, bars. <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> and, and honestly, oh. there, there's there's more, there, there's more, oh. there's more, there's more sex bars. There's um, a niche for and it, you know, while I, while, <laughs> while I'm not against, you know, like anyone doing Charlie's like, not sex against bars or, Charlie's not against sex. He just hasn't had sex in a while. Uh, uh, so. uh, why why are you coming to my neck? What the <laughs> fuck, Klaus? What's up, Hugh? Uh, Give me a rest. Sorry. Um. So yes. Well, I don't mind him getting into that kind of stuff. Um, it's just the way he. It's just the way it goes down. It's it just. Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't sit right. <laughs> it just doesn't sit right. It, I just can't. I can't. Def- I can't decipher why it makes me uncomfortable, but it just does. Um, it, it it just does. Oh yeah, it was on the Iliad is dead. Yeah, the Nightfall yeah, album. That's yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Oh, that's some that's yeah, uh, it's unicorn girl. Yeah, unicorn girl. I yeah, that some weird song. stuff on there. Uh, and yeah, there's like there's like two tracks back to back on here. Where it's just like, you know, I eat you out, pull my dreads. I'm just like, uh, okay. Anyway, apart from that, the beats were cool. Uh, shout out to DJ Dot Fresh on that one. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just, I just, um, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Ninth Wonder, Zion Five, The Ballad of Charles Duthit. Um, so, uh, if you guys have ever listened to a Ninth Wonder, uh, especially a Zion project, um, he always gets a uh, uh, either a fellow Jamla member or just like a, you know just one other art, one vocal artist, whether it's a rapper or just a uh, or, or just a general vocalist um, on there. And for this one, he got Friend of Five E. Shout out Ian Kelly. Uh, for five, first five tracks, and uh, they are just nice. They they just bleed into each other so nicely. They go they go by very fast, and it's kind of good, I guess. It goes uh, the the tracks go that fast because it is fifty six tracks, one hour and thirty three minutes. So you know y- you got to keep it going. <laughs> you got to keep the train moving on that front. Um, there are pl- and there are also a couple of tracks on here that uh, you may have heard before if you're into Ninth Wonder and you've heard other tracks, uh, Sojourner's Rhapsodies on, on here. I forgot, I think it's Don't Go Soul or Didn't Go Soul, maybe that one. I, I don't really look in the names while I'm listening. Um, there is uh, one of them that has uh, it's a, a Simple by GQ that dropped a few, uh, few months, uh, a month or so ago. Uh, that beats on here. So yeah, there's a couple of beats that you may or may not have heard of, in, uh, heard already. Uh, just obviously instrumental form. Your boy's not complaining. Trust me on that. Uh, See it all before soul is uh, my my favorite track on that on this one because uh, oh, just oh, it's so nice. I need to know what that sample is. Is so oh my gosh. He lets it ride at the end, and whoever's on that just fucking floats. Oh, need to know. Um, AJ Tracy secure the bag too. Um, I don't, I don't mind AJ Tracy. Um, you know, he, he his his subject matter is very, um, you know, money, clothes, cars, women, you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, he, I like, I like his, I like his just tone, how he raps. Um, I like, I like his flows. Um, you know, there are a couple of tracks on here that kind of deviate from that, and um, yeah, I don't know, can use some work for me personally. But um, there are some just like. Tasty bangers on here, tasty bangers, um, and the album art was quite cool. It's a very anime vibe, so I can't complain about that. Uh, lastly, uh, Fana Hughes, um, uh, like the color hue, and it's called Hughes. Um, we got another one, ladies and gentlemen. We've got another. Um, is it an album or is it an EP? Kind of a project. Ten songs, twenty-four minutes. Is that an album? Is that an EP? You lot decide. Um, past that, of course, um, is a really nice uh, project. I actually really uh, enjoyed it. She has a real, a wonderful voice. Um, her vocals are just whew, nice. Just, just real clean voice. Um, I couldn't really get, <laughs> I really couldn't get past it. I was just, um, it's just one of those um, projects where you just get lost in one thing. And you don't, and you don't really, uh, 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 I guess, uh, locate the rest of it. Um, I I totally forgotten what the uh, what the actual music uh, was and uh, even what she was talking about to be honest. But uh, oh, her voice is just so clean. So I'm gonna give her a couple more listens uh, just to you know get acclimated on that front. Uh, but yeah, definitely worth a listen. Definitely worth a wreck. And when I said we hop off to the technically last uh, sh- DITD of 2020. 
we do have a 5VPN special uh, dropping on the 31st. Um, that's going to go on out on all uh, 5VPN platforms. Um, so you, whatever you guys listen to, whether it is, is here on DITD or in search of source, what's good, or in save 12 notes, um, you'll get basically the same package, just re, just, uh, I'm just going to like, you know, just, uh, uh, reorder them depending on the episode, uh, depending on what platform it's on. Uh, but yeah, this is technically, uh, the last, uh, DITD of 2020. So, uh, we're just going to end it with a little bites, you know, we like our bites, uh, just getting in there now and again, just, uh, free, uh, free topics, you know, going on in the world right now, uh, world of music or whatever, um, well, the last one is um, just kind of like a fun one. We're picking uh, our top five episodes of the year. Uh, but yeah, we have uh, two uh, uh, time-sensitive topics uh, that we can get into. And uh, yeah, with that said, Ben, take it away. All right. Let's, uh, let's discuss this Kid Cudi, Travis Scott thing because I found it mm, fascinating. I found it really fascinating that this is the first time I've really ever seen this debate happen, and I may have missed it, but I did go back and have a look at some times where it could have happened and it didn't. So apparently Kid Cudi sounds too much like Travis Scott. Uh, for those that don't know, the second half of Travis Scott's name is taken directly from Kid Cudi's given name, which is Scott Muscudi. Scott Muscudi. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. I apologize. Uh, Travis has cited Cuddy as being one of the biggest influences on the way his music sounds, and it's pretty objective too because I think Cuddy's early spacey dynamic is something that Travis used as building blocks for his own sound. So the issue has become that Travis turned Cuddy's style into an even more commercially successful style. Uh, you know, Astro World was massive, man. It sold like 500 something first week. It's it's wild. Travis is going number one with Lucy's at this point. It's just crazy. So when Cuddy comes back to it, you know, his last, uh, Cuddy's last solo album was 2016, December. You know, Astro World came out mid-2018. So then we get into December 2020, Cuddy comes back to his trademark sound and he's what? Now he's borrowing from Travis? You know, I find this very fascinating that people would say that, you know, like... Some people were claiming that the reason why this comparison has come about is because Cuddy's ad-libs were similar, but I never really saw that, and I think if you say that, um, you know, I'm just listening to the, was listening to the E-40 joint, and like, and the Too Short joint, and the second song has ad-libs that sound a bit like Travis. You know, it's a generic ad-lib. Like, yeah, straight up, like that stuff is, you know, Migo's been doing that since 2013, it's not... You know, definitely Travis has made it iconic. Travis has specific ad-libs, you know, similar to, you know, even Uzi's got a yeah. Uzi does yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, I I don't know. I don't know. Anything that Kid Cudi's going to do within his own sonic realm, and I don't like to use the word sonic too often, but, you know, in this sense, it's it's true, is going to sound similar to Travis because Cudi created this sound. Like, it's it's pretty objective. You know, he and uh, Kanye West were pioneers of this, and T-Pain, of course, but uh, that's more of the, the auto-tune, uh, melodic side. So I want to pose a few questions. The first is, how could you criticize an artist for sounding like the artist they influenced? And secondly, has this ever happened before? So we have Kanye with 808s, 
and I've never heard him get criticized for sounding like the current generation of melodic trap artists when he dips back into that. Uh, we have Eminem with mainstream shock rap, and you know no one was comparing Eminem to Tyler in the early 2010s. There was no, oh, Eminem's borrowing from Tyler, or Eminem's being more like Tyler, or any other shock rap artist. Rakim basically laid out the blueprint for modern rappers, and I can't recall reading a review or an article criticizing him for sounding too much like his disciples, and pretty much everyone was his disciple. And that's an important part, too, because Rakim did not, uh, didn't hit any kind of uh, commercial peak after Eric B and Rakim. You know, he, he, didn't, he wasn't going number one. I don't even know if he had a top 10 album. And plenty of artists who were taking his lyrical blueprint were going number one, going top 10. But whenever Rakim dropped a project, you weren't saying, oh man, he sounds too much like this artist or he sounds... So, you know what I mean? Like, how crazy is that? Like, imagine criticizing Slick Rick for sounding too much like Scarface. Like, you wouldn't do it. Mm. You wouldn't do it. Mm. You'd just be like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? This doesn't make sense. Now, there was one artist in particular that I really looked hard into because this is the one artist that I could identify as being most prone to this or most likely to be attacked with this. Warren G, okay? Now, Warren G with Regulate. Warren G was there at the inception of G-Funk. We did this on our episode. He was right there when the mm-hmm. fucking term got coined. He was there in the room. He's one of the founding fathers. But his debut G-Funk project came a full three years after Quick is the Name by DJ Quick which is probably the mm-hmm. first main mainstream uh, G-Funk record, two years after The Chronic. So it's the perfect opportunity. Would people say that Warren G was derivative when he is being derivative, like people are, you know, taking from him in the first... And I'm not saying that Dr. Dre and Quick took from him, but like you can't right. be derivative of your own sound. And right. I couldn't find it at all. In fact, people received it really well and totally understood Warren G's connection. And actually, in, in articles and reviews, they pointed out the connection. They made the connection apparent and obvious that this is just makes sense for Warren G to be making music like this because he helped mm-hmm. create this sound. So, I don't know, man. Like, what the fuck is going on? I... Are we? But you know what I'm trying to say. Like I don't understand this criticism. It's just so. Right. What yeah. the fuck is? It? And it's not like Kid Cudi is like an underground artist. Now I could understand there have been rumblings, for example, where Jay Z was uh, criticized for sounding too much like Young Chris, and people were saying he was stealing his. Or and then so Young maybe lean and crowd rap. Say again, sorry. Young lean and crowd rap. Exactly, man. So imagine if you come out and say that Young Lean sounds too much like. Lil Yachty or Young Lean sounds too much like so-and-so. Like, the guy created the freaking genre, man. He was right at the at the precipice of it. So, yeah. mm-hmm. what the hell is this? I don't understand this, child. I can't get my head around it at all. It does not make <laughs> sense to me, this this whole thing, you know? Uh, I, I do enjoy it when you uh, try and break it down for us and then you just end it with... <laughs> What the fuck? I just don't <laughs> what's, get what's going it's on? Just, it's hurting my head. It feels like, but all the thing info, is, it's it's not like it's up. it's not like it's one person. Like you know, Sean C sure. mentioned him not Travis Scott nineteen times in his review, and I think it was something like thirteen percent of his review was devoted to Travis Scott. Uh, Fantano mentioned Travis Scott. A bunch of publications mentioned Travis Scott. When I posted about it on Twitter, a whole bunch of people said the same thing. 
It's just yeah. like, what the fuck, man? I've never seen this before. I think this equates to a few things. Uh, the first one is that people give Travis Scott way too much credit on uh, pretty much anything. Um, and obviously in this case, his uh, 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 sonic style, as you as you, as you were laid out. Um, like, I, I, I honestly, when I initially heard of Travis Scott, um, whenever, right, rodeo, I guess, um, uh, I saw him as just like, you know, spacey trap, right? Which, in some way, is for most of it, right? I didn't even get Kid Cudi vibes from him. Um, and to be honest, I still don't. And you know that's come from and that's come from me. I don't listen. I don't listen to Travis Scott that hard. Like it's, it's not maybe maybe in the depths of his albums, there's, there's some cuddyisms here. But yeah, I, I don't I don't really get. I don't really see it. Um, I guess in the I guess in the you know the instead of the hmm ad libs, it's the ha ad libs, like stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe it's that. That's the connection people are going with. I'll, I'll take it. Why not? Fine. Um, so yeah, I think people. A one giving Travis Scott way too much credit uh, on just how he's evolved in himself, and you know it's a good evolution. You know, musically, but he's been one of you know relatively you know, kind of I guess forward thinking. I don't know. I don't know if that's the phrase I want to use to be honest, but for the lack of a better phrase, let's just say that right. Um, you know, it's been it's been pretty out there. You know what I mean? So I'll I'll give him that. Um, I feel like the second thing here is, uh, I think, much more, uh, much more abstract. Uh, I think there is something to say uh, as it pertains to trying to think out loud. Like maybe, maybe social media influence. Something about this. Something about this era we're in right now is his changing it because all the all the examples you gave are like you know pre-streaming pre anything that we're that we in the way we you know uh consume music today right um slick rick scarface rakim anybody right it's just that's, that's back in the day where like it's it's and, and even warren g which is kind of an interesting uh you know potential uh, for like, oh, he's jacking, he's jacking, but, you know, for people, uh, when that point hip-hop was, you know, national, but, you know, it, you, you're you're making music for your for your place um, at that point, uh, you know, Tupac was making LA music, right, even though he was born in Harlem and obviously grew up in LA, so, um, or grew up in California anyway, um, he was making LA music, Dre, Quick, Warren G were making LA music, so, um, it doesn't really matter if, um, you know, someone from West Virginia uh, listened to Regulate and say, this sounds a lot like DJ Quick, you know? Like, I, I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's going to come into the common consensus. Maybe, and, and okay, there you go. I think that's where I'm, I think I, I, think I found my threat. There you go. So, take that uh, and that hypothetical and take it to now where, like, not just hip-hop is global, but obviously social media makes everything global in some way. Um, if someone's listening to Travis Scott and they take that, whatever, um, hip hop in the US now is so androgynous, pretty much. Like, uh, I don't know if that's the, is that the right term? 
I don't know. It's it's, it's a melting pot. There's no there's no localization anymore. Um, I can't discern a Detroit rapper from a New York rapper. I can't discern a Houston rapper from a Atlanta rapper. Uh, you know, I I can't discern. I can't discern. Uh, we've talked about this before. You know, I can't. I sometimes can't discern whether TD is even West Coast anymore because, like, Schoolboy does basically trap music right now. Uh, absolutely, I don't know what the fuck he's doing. Kendrick does, you know, DNA was relatively trappy in in a lot of ways, so you know, it's not exactly West Coast, quote unquote. Um, and I know Ninth Wonder tried to make Duckworth as West Coast as possible, and I think he was succeeding in that. But that's beside the point. Um, so because hip hop is so in the US especially is so melting melting pot vibes right now. Um. I don't even know where Kid Cudi comes. I don't even know where he where he was born, where he grew up. I actually don't even know. Uh, let me know, but like <laughs> I don't even know. Like Midwest, New York. I don't know. Like I can't even. I can't even tell you if you put a gun to my head. Bro, um, come on, man. You're not a Cudi. I'm not. A Cudi, I'm. Yeah. You, know, you know. I'm not a Cudi. I'm not a Cudi stand. I'm not a Cudi fan. I, I believe. I, I don't. I don't. Sorcery, Cleveland. Okay. Right. His music. All right. Okay, bro. All right. <laughs> Roast me later. Fuck. Let me get my point off. All right. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> fucking hell, bro. Like, the only thing I know about Cleveland is the fucking LeBron James, bro. Like, come on, get over it. Anyway, right. So, okay. What's Cleveland sound? What's Cleveland hip hop? There you go. Right. Yeah, so, even that. with that, even with that, exactly. So, even with that said, um, you take that and you got some. You got you got really nothing there. And considering of how uh, that generation that Cuddy came through with, with the Max, with the Kendricks, with the uh, Schoolboys and stuff like that, um, you know, they all listen to each other's stuff. And that's when the Melton Pot come through. So I feel, so answering your question of what the fuck's going on, I feel like that's probably the main part of it, where like everyone sounds like they're either from Atlanta, uh, New York, or LA. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the 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 dialect thing doesn't really happen as much um, as it used to, and uh, I think that's probably where people get tripped up when it comes to someone like Travis Scott and someone like Cuddy, where there's just a, a a morsel, just a morsel of comparison that you could possibly make, but not really if you've listened to their stuff. Um, but Hey, that, uh, I I say that, but then there's you know the people that are saying this are you know either Travis fans uh, or, or or they know of Cuddy, so you know I don't, I don't know that front, but yeah, hopefully that answers your question. That's kind of where I'm trying to I'm trying to see it. it's a bit loose, but um that's kind of where I'm that's kind of where I'm uh, coming from I think uh, as it pertains to this particular topic. Yeah, I definitely think that's actually probably pretty close to a good guess like as in like i think that's pretty accurate i think you know back in the it's day a measure obviously, <laughs> yeah but i mean like i had no idea i didn't have any concept the only thing i was thinking was just like everyone's attention span is so short now that 2016 for example yeah. like december 2016 mm-hmm. with passion pain demon slaying is there's you know yeah. 1996 basically is so far <laughs> in the past that no one even fucking remembers it no one's remembering right. They've just remembered the big things like Astro World. Okay, I remember Astro World. I remember Highest in the Room. I remember the Scots. I remember, you know. So, but I think what what Charlie's saying is is probably close. You know, like back in the day, and I, when I say back in the day, I mean like ten years ago. 
these uh, regions had sounds. Regions had specific sounds and everyone would sound similar. You know, they would put their own spin on it. But an example is too short an E40. We're talking about the Bay Area and the hyphy movement. And, you know, that bounce, that fucking crazy bounce that they have, you know. And E40's been dropping product in that realm, in that vein for a really long time. And when you hear other Bay artists, it's very similar. And you would never say that they're stealing from E40 or they're borrowing from E40. It's like this sound becomes (laughs) the region. It becomes its own... Uh, entity and you're not you know you're not saying like you know let's say that rakim started the way that new york rappers rap uh or whatever you know we want to say or say that snoop started sounding like west coast like what snoop began or dre began the west coast sound it's no longer dre's sound it's west coast sound you know so you don't say that when kendrick uh dips into g-funk you're not like oh yeah that's the dre sound you say that's the West Coast sound. And so so can I just interrupt for a quick second? So you're saying that, right? And how some of these sounds become ubiquitous and become the whole thing of a certain uh place. Um what would you say if it when it comes to Cuddy? Cuz like obviously he, you know, he, along with Kanye and 808, it's kind of made the sound that we're talking about here. Um but because there's no localization there, yeah. Just trying to well, make I mean, my point still. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're right. I mean, I was, I was, I was think you've pushed me back on track because the whole point of it is, you know, these these regions were like subgenres of hip hop. You know, the sound that they were it was all different. You know, you, New York rapper did not sound like a West Coast rapper. Did not sound like a Midwest rapper. Did not like it sound like a down south rapper. So. Um, uh, like an Atlanta rapper, so they were they were subgenres. They were different sounds, and I think nowadays it's just morphed back into subgenres rather than uh, regions. You know, where we get someone like Griselda coming from Buffalo, and you'd be certain that they came from fucking Marcy Projects. You know, like it'd be certain they became from the Bronx. Uh, it's almost like they those regions have just morphed into these new like melodic trap or melodic hip-hop or whatever, like whatever you want to call it, drill, like it, it's not so much um, the region anymore, it's it's the subgenre. And so Cuddy and Travis Scott are in the same subgenre. In the old days, they would have been from the same region, so it would have been much easier for us to say, that's just the sound of the region. You can't say that Kid Cuddy is stealing from Travis Scott because it's the region sound. So nowadays, it's the it's the genre sound. So you can't say that Kid Cudi's stealing from Travis Scott because it's just the sound of the genre. So I I think that man, I I just think it's subgenres now, and I think everything you rise becomes so. I don't know, man. It is a bit of a melting pot, eh? It's almost like you can't even be diverse anymore because when you go back into another sound, you're sounding you you're stealing from the more popular artist. I'm sure this mm-hmm. happens in the. I'm sure this happens in the underground so many times. You know, it's probably happened so many times in history where a specific artist has come out and created a sound, and then you know that sounds blown up via another artist, and then the originators come out and dropped a you know mildly successful album, and everyone's like, oh yeah, it sounds like the mainstream artist. It's probably happened before. Yeah. I just I have never been exposed to it, but you know, there's probably underground rappers out there who are going bonkers right now. Wasn't there something? <laughs> Didn't yeah. we get in? Oh no, that was the conscious rap, the backpack rap kind of thing. Um, but I mean, it would be the same as if, like, you know, you criticized, I don't know, 
early conscious rappers for sounding too much like Lupe Fiasco. Like, you know, it's just... <laughs> so yeah, I think that's just what I, I think that's, I think you're right. I think you're onto something there. I think regions have morphed into, into subgenres. Okay. All right. Good up on to the next one. If you, if you're cool Okay. So, I mean, it kind of feeds into this because it was, uh, uh, I don't know how to, if you call, uh, people who are critics, journalists, but you know, we all have our own distinctions, but I want to talk about, journalism in music and hip-hop specifically versus the fans so as you guys probably know it hip-hop twitter and hip-hop instagram versus the musicians so there was once a time where pre-internet or pre-google music journalism was vital on a huge scale because without the ability to search for just about anything you wanted journalists brought news and analysis that was absolutely beyond the normal new music listener like we had i remember this time when i was reading magazines and stuff we had no fucking way of discovering the shit that they were discovering they had connections they had experience they had access to unreleased music interview archives there was so many other avenues that they could get their information that we had no access to and music journalism was an art form in itself. And I think it really sat beside musicians because they discovered new land and they charted new territory. And to be honest, I feel like the stakes were lower and higher at the same time for music journalists back then because journalism was heavily monetized. So spots were in high demand and it was not easy to become a journalist, but it was also much harder to be, uh, there was, I mean, there was less competition. So it was much easier to put out I guess once you're in that system, it's like you're at the top already. Uh, and, and, you know, there's not a million people with keyboards out there just Googling everything and trying to become journalists themselves. So it was a bit easier in that sense, maybe less competition when you got there, when you made it. In 2020, I see journalism split directly down the middle. So the great journalism in 2020 is even more impressive because there's so little uncharted territory in music writing anymore. Uh, it's all been done or said before, or it's searchable. Like it's right there at your fingertips. And we need journalists to make connections that we missed or wouldn't even think of. You know, I actually went on Central Source to prepare for this just because I know that Central Source is going to have great fucking music journalism. And like Brandon mm-hmm. connecting Pink Floyd, Flying Lotus, and Childish Gambino. You know, like what the yep. fuck is that connection? Bang, headline. All right, I'm 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 locked in now. I'm interested. Yep. What have you found? Yep. What have you discovered? What am I going to learn in this article? We yep. need them to go out and discover things through their hard work and grind. Connor is another great example. We both know Connor. Breaking yep, down sure. samples, man. Breaking down samples. Getting dragged by people on the internet for breaking down samples. <laughs> Shout out to Connor. Shit, we never, we, he is putting in the hard yards that we're never going to do. And we need creativity. And we get it sometimes. But sometimes we get the opposite end which is a news outlets repurposing content in inverted commas and calling it fucking news. Content in inverted commas, I mean. Like Little Uzi Vert tweets, that's content. Playboy Cardi tweets, that's content. Drake posted to his IG story, that's content. So my point, like what does this have to to do with hip-hop Twitter and hip-hop Instagram? Not once have I seen an in-depth, engaging article shared on my hip-hop Twitter timeline. Okay. Now, there's two possible reasons. One, mm. yes. Now, this is completely separate from my personal Twitter timeline where I have seen plenty of engaging music uh, articles shared because that is my journalism echo chamber. When I was a journalist, we were following different, you know, each other and everything. We had our little 
you know, we had our little circle. So I saw plenty and I still do see plenty of stuff on my timeline. On Hip Hop Numbers and Hip Hop Numbers 2, even though I do follow journalists, I don't see a lot, well, I never see it. I just never see it being shared. And I, I think there is two possible reasons. There isn't that much engaging content out there or hip hop fans aren't interested in it. So you may say, who cares if they do or not? Well, I think I think musicians and fans, okay, I think musicians and fans are directly interacting with each other every single day. Musician drops music, fan buys it or streams it. Musicians tweet, fans reply. Musicians reply. I'm seeing this morning, just, just a perfect example this morning. Fucking Megan Thee Stallion, Asian Doll, uh, JT, they're quote tweeting their own fans and replying to them. Like, you know, that's yeah. crazy, all right? It's a mutual sharing of energy. Journalism to me seems to exist outside this ecosystem. Artists do share articles, but the only ones I've seen them do are the ones that are going to further their career in some way. So if they're on a huge outlet like Complex, which has a huge you know, readership and a huge Twitter following, uh, if they're overtly positive and they're from a prominent music journalist, I have never seen a mainstream artist share a central source article. I don't know if I'm missing something with that. I, I may have, there may have been a mainstream artist sharing a, but I have just never seen it. And I don't think there's any motivation for them to share it. Like what, but, but the problem is like, if musicians are only sharing the articles that are going to further their career, what's the point? Music journalism is not there to merely help progress an artist's career. It is a separate art form. It's there for the mm. fan. It's there mm. for the fan. So why aren't the fans talking about it and sharing it anymore? And I don't, you know, what do we do? How do we get fans to share it? Because there's no world in which we want fans to just have a surface level interaction with the art. I think it's valuable and important for people to see these analyses of these articles, discover stuff, learn stuff, broaden their knowledge base, apply critical thinking, man. Every time you talk to a stand on Twitter, they're not applying critical thinking. They're not being objective. They're not, they're not analyzing at all. They're parroting. They're just parroting back something. And that's what happens with these major musicians and mainstream artists who are just sharing positive content. There's no engagement. They're just looking at the headline. So-and-so sells X amount of copies. I mean, why? What, what uh, Pure copies, uh, first week sales, worldwide copies. Like, think about it. How do they do that? Are they signed to a major label? Were they independent? No, that, that whole conversation is music journalism. But it's not being had at all from the fans that I see. Maybe I'm missing it, but I don't see them being interested. And I think it's detrimental to both art forms, but especially journalism. You know, I think it's, I think it's, I don't know, man. Do you know, does, mm-hmm. it, does any of that make sense? Oh, no, complete sense. Um, uh, I think you made a really good point as to, like, you know, what journalism is. And we had this conversation, like, I think at the start of the year. Like, <laughs> actually, it was, like, it was the first episode of this yeah. year. Uh, we were talking about bloggers and you know what is music journalism now, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, shout out to Brandon who actually has uh, an icon OK player. Shout out! Hey, um, did you get and, paid for uh, that? You know he's shout yeah, out Brandon. Bro. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, bro. you did Brandon. it, Brandon. If you're listening, bro, I it. know that you wanted to do that. You this fucking year. did it. You fucking did it. Legend. Yeah. Well played. 
shout out to Ledge. Um, yeah, so and I know he had he's had we we've had a couple of conversations about this. So I think he actually replied to me um, after that episode after that particular episode dropped about it, and we had a good conversation about it. But um, yeah, I think you made a really good point as to like what the point of me is journalism is not just to you know interview artists and you know give them a platform to speak about their album coming out. No, they're not just there for being a press tour yeah right um but you know they're there for you know genuine criticism or genuine just like you know existential whatever you know what i mean just whatever right um i think that's a really key point that i think a lot of people forget um because most journalism that we see is just like hip-hop dx little uzi took a shit like it's it's literally <laughs> that <laughs> I'm saying it like I'm saying like that literally oh, is it. It's just it's, it's just the most it's just the most it mundane so stuff that, that nobody cares about. Oh, <laughs> like you know, it, it doesn't matter. So um, you know, and we do and we do get like you know lost under that pile of garbage. Um, the only reason why we accept those kind of small small tidbitty things on like a you know something like a political uh topic is because it you know is politics and it kind of matters to you know talk about uh you know someone went to have a meeting with someone about something like you know it's important to know um but you know Lil Uzi you know uh <laughs> I can't use the same one a real example is when Lil Uzi Vert said he hadn't had sex in two years and everyone reported exactly. it like exactly. it was some sort of like factual thing that needed analysis like fuck me man come on now maybe he just <laughs> okay. has erectile dysfunction like come on leave him alone <laughs> Hey, shit happens, man. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Um, don't know, but uh, hip hop DX, go look into it, bruv. Um, you know, uh, so, <laughs> but I think another great point you actually made at the start of it was just the fact that I didn't even clock until you said it. The fact that you don't really see any articles like explaining anything or whatever, just like making someone's point on hip hop Twitter. It's literally just someone's opinion, and they just say their opinion. Like, they don't don't even post, like, anything else. And I just find that really weird. Um, And in some ways, I get it because, you know, this is just for, you know, it's it's kind of just a a Twitter's just an entire Twitter opinion cesspool. So, you know, I get it. Um, But, yeah, it's, um, I I, I understand why, I guess, hip-hop Twitter especially doesn't, and Instagram, I guess, as well. Because obviously Instagram doesn't really lend too well for links, but um, I get why they don't, why people don't just say, "Oh, fuck your point." Here's what Andre G said about something. So, yeah, you know, I, I I don't really expect people to be that nuanced. Um, Hip hop is not politics; it just isn't. Um, you know, sports. It's, it's it's the same. It's the same way. You know, the 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 more the most you get on sports uh, conversations is just like you know statistics. I but oh, but he has more goals. Uh, you know, it's literally it. That's literally the whole conversation. Um, shout out to AFTV. Absolute uh, makes absolutely makes my day whenever they come through. Crazy um, as fuck. Great. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. Did you see Bossman break his phone over over a fucking loss? Oh, great. I didn't see absolutely that. There's, there's been so oh, many oh, losses. I haven't oh, been able to keep up. Oh, oh, climaxed of how funny that was. Um. So yeah, 
It's uh, it's while it's unfortunate on that front, I am not exactly surprised. Um, but I guess the fact that I'm not surprised and I don't really have like the biggest fire in my belly that the oh you guys should do you guys should share more um you know critical articles. Um, I'm sorry, I just don't expect. I have no expectation for uh hip hop fan two one one to uh to 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 give me an article of any any sort of substance um but yeah it's uh it's it's kind of unfortunate on that front and i guess the question is is like how can that gap be bridged where we can uh and you know not to toot my own horn but in search of source is a really good place for this kind of stuff where they have conversations about actual articles that actually talk about something of of some sort of substance um, regardless if it's a profile on an artist or just a you know an existential piece on how hip-hop is right now whatever capitalism in hip-hop whatever it's just, you know it's, it's, it's good stuff every time um, again not to do my own horn uh, as a producer of it but you know it is what it is and it's a good place but there needs to be something else, I guess, toward, uh, towards that. Um, and maybe this is something that's completely out of our hands and the fact that, you know, generations below us, I don't know if they read the news. Um, I, I know they don't read newspapers, but I don't know if they maybe have, you know, BBC News app on, on their phone or The Guardian or The Independent or uh, fuck, f- fucking Lord forbid The Sun. But, you know... <laughs> I don't know what the, I don't know how they consume their news. Maybe it is just via Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and social media. Maybe it is just that. Um, and while that's unfortunate in some way, um, it, it 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 kind of comes outside of our problem uh, as to why hip hop Twitter doesn't get into um, get into these kind of uh, you know in depth articles that we're talking about. Um, so maybe it's, maybe it's just a generational thing that, you know, can't really be quote unquote solved, um, unless they just give a shit about reading. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I I feel like it's just part of a overall generational issue. I think, um, that again, I'm not surprised about and, uh, partly I don't really have an answer for as to, uh, how to change that. All right. Well, I have a question. So obviously with the invent of social media now we're exposed to the fandom we're exposed to the greater listening public on a huge scale whereas before we weren't so when music journalism was flourishing not everyone had a voice now everyone has a voice and you know i don't have the balance sheets of music journalism and how well it's doing financially but i certainly do know journalists who have been struggling and when i asked what journalism was to people on my other account on hip-hop numbers two uh i got quote tweeted by a bunch of journalists who just shit on outlets for not paying them and how fucking painful being a music journalist is so my assumption is that it is not as healthy as it was prior to social media so do you think that the fact that everyone has an opinion now has diluted the importance of music journalism or do you think that we're now just being exposed to the fact that most people didn't really care about it that much before and the only thing they could read about was what they were being 
given in these magazines. So it was kind of being forced down their throat because it was the only maybe hip-hop conversation. They, for example, for yep, me, yep, I don't live yep, in America, yep. so I can't go and hang out with my friends at school and talk about hip-hop. You know, my friends hated hip-hop. Yep. I had to read the yep. source. I had to read XXL. Do, yep. you know, do you know what I'm saying? I can't just go on Twitter yep. and just chat to randos overseas about mm-hmm. hip-hop. So mm-hmm. is it that people would just force fed it and that was their only engagement or is it because uh, everyone has an opinion now and it's diluted it? It's not a matter of, um, I, th- I think they're, I think they're both, those two things are both like exclusive in their own way. Um, I think that I, th- I don't, I wouldn't class it as being force fed. Um, I'd say there was a demand for it because obviously at that point uh, without social media, there was, there was a demand for commentary. There's always a demand for commentary and uh, an opinion. Um, so when you have something like the source and Double XL and Vibe and King and all that stuff, um, well, not King specifically, but you know, magazines, right? Um, you you see that back in the day as the authority um, in some fashion, right? Because at that point, let's be real. If you lived in New York, you 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 didn't know what was happening in California. Unless it was a major news story, like you just didn't. That's how the news works. Like um, here in Britain, we have the national news, um, but you know, if you want to know more about your local, you have to you have to look up the local local news, right? So, you know, is what it is. So, um, in that case, I wouldn't class it as a force feeding. I would class that more as just a uh, people had a demand um, to know about. Um, to know about their favorite artist or whatever, because you know there was a time when people didn't even know Vanilla Ice wasn't black. <laughs> like, really? as, as mad as that Shit. sounds, okay. yeah, as mad, as mad as that sounds, there was a time, a, a, a small time, not a long time, but a small time. So you know it, that, that can't happen now. That just can't. It's impossible for that to happen now. Um, but in, but you know, as I say that, you know, you didn't know your Drew was white until the other week. So you know. Who, I mean, who, who might who might know? The funny thing is that like um the these people on hip hop Twitter that you interact with every day, do you know what race they are? Do you know where they live? Like I'm white, I live in Sydney. Oh and, oh yeah. Uh, that 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 makes me that actually worries me. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a rough, not to it's, not to get into not to get into a whole thing, but like I I severely question, especially on Instagram, of like who these people are sometimes because like sometimes it's just like a meme that's very cultural and i i would feel very uncomfortable if it was like some uh white dude from uh kansas or something i mean i'm just like "Uh, i don't know about that but you can't you say you have to suspend disbelief um because of that like the you know the pay the meme page daquan that that's that that was initially started by an ethiopian uh black canadian kid i think um, and then it was sold off to, I think, like a, a company, just, just any generic company. So I didn't know that until, I think, this year. So that's just jarring to me anyway. But, um, yeah, the nameless, faceless thing comes into play. Um, but uh, I forget your other question. What was the, what was the other question? Uh, I don't know. So we had whether it was force-fed, whether thingies was force-fed. Oh, and, if it's just uh, so many opinions, it's just diluting music journalism. Oh, right. Um, yeah, I mean, th- I think they've, I think journalism and especially print media have always had that like ex- existential crisis where like you know anyone can start a blog like uh, 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 back in the back in the old day. Um, so I think they've always had that existential 
uh, crisis between themselves. Who will listen to us now when they when they can just post their own opinions on their own blogs? <laughs> like uh, that's, that's a real. That's, I think that's a real thing. And uh, once someone gets one agreement from someone else, you know, they they feel like they're on top of the world and they want more of that and they want more people to agree with them. It's just how we all sometimes like to feel in life where, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's not always fun being in the contrary. Some people like to, some people like to have agreements, you know what I mean? And uh, they like, they like to be seen in that front. So, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like a natural thing. And I feel like social media has like taken that natural phenomena. I don't really know how to phrase that, but like the wanting to be accepted or the wanting to be known uh or the wanting to just be agreed upon in your own opinion uh or to be affirmed uh you know that's a that's a human thing right we all want that um and social media has just like you know injected that with fucking steroids um so you know it is what it is mm. yeah it's fascinating i mean i i don't i don't have anything more to add i think we hit a brick wall there i, I think I just don't know where to go. A- AKA, I, I smashed it. All right, cool. That's right, Charlie um, smashed it. You know, the one thing that I'll say just before we move on is someone, when I put up that, uh, what what is music journalism to you? Someone said, analysis over critique. And I found mm. that very, very well said. Very well said. And that's the uh, that's what I'm looking for now in music journalism. Um, yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So Ooh, we're going to end. Here we go. Uh, here we yeah, go. let's have some fun. <laughs> all right so guys uh 40 something episodes this year so for, it's the first full year we've had obviously content um, kings huh we're the content kings man we just put out content every week kings, yeah. every yeah, fucking every... week we dropped we actually, heat yeah, we it's crazy yeah we didn't we didn't we didn't miss a week did we that's never. crazy to think about never yeah, we didn't miss a never, week. man we're always that's here we're always mad. on your neck we're always on your neck <laughs> Always on your neck, bruv. Honestly, that's 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 hype. That's hype. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, forty cyan episodes this year, and uh, we're trying to we're gonna try and uh, pick out top five uh, of twenty twenty. And uh, yeah, I mean, who wants to go first? <laughs> well, let's guess yours for. I mean, Charlie's top three. Oh, you want to guess mine? Right. Easy, easy. It's the two point four k series. Charlie was. <laughs> adamant that we should do this series he's like i want to discuss this ben i want to talk about this i want to dive into the motivations behind these lists if anyone remembers i posted up 11 i think it was 11 questions greatest rapper of all time greatest album of all time most underrated of all time and i got 2000 no was it 2400 something like that responses yeah yeah, 2.4 so 2.4 answers but they all had 11 responses in them so i had to go through the whole thing and so we did a whole three-part series on it and by the end of it holy fuck we wanted to die we just we, we wanted to die that's the bottom three episodes of this year um, i'm not gonna fucking i'm not gonna mince words i'm not gonna pretend like there was some deeper meaning it was it was a challenge to get through <laughs> but i've got what i think charlie i've got three that i think are going to be in charlie's top five and i'm not sure uh, well, I've got four because I think the anniversary special might be in there because I think that was a pretty special album. Uh, album, a pretty special episode for us. I also thought that the Ice Cube episode. I remember after we did that, Charlie was like, "That was one of our best episodes." Uh, mm. 
maybe the Roots Maneuver episode. I was trying to think of which of our UK Black History Month would be in there. Uh, I feel like yeah, the Roots Maneuver obligatory one. Pick one yeah. yeah, I think either that or Dizzy was one of the ones from there that we really fucking nailed. Kano we nailed too. Oh, I don't know. One of those. And maybe Original Pirate Material because we just fanned the fuck out. I don't even oh. think that was a good episode. I don't think it was any good for anyone outside of Charlie and I. <laughs> it was right. fucking great. So yeah, maybe one. If I, I've got wrong. one of those four, you have got one of those four. Yeah, I've got one of those four. I'm not gonna rank them because that's just their foot. Um, but uh, yeah, Roots Maneuver is definitely one. Um, right. I, I I I got so much um, just personal just learning from that one, like. I, I initially started that with such a, with such a, for some reason, just, I, I guess in some ways, a misguided notion of who Roots Mover was. And then once I actually listened to his music, and then once we got into the episode itself, yeah, I was just like, raw, this guy is an absolute fucking beast. Like, I, d- I did not even, I did not even, I, I learned so much from that episode. Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely that's one. Web. Um March 31st, when we dropped, uh, it could all be so simple. I love that. I love the Lauren Hill episode. Um, yeah, I, I thought just, that might be there. I, I, I really just, I mean, I love Lauren Hill in general, but I just like the conversation we had there and just the overall uh, dialogue we uh, painted throughout. Um, as it just, as just like it pertains to how talented she, she is, and also, you know, stuff that like the hiatus and the and the crediting disputes. I find that uh, I just find that overall conversation very fascinating. So yeah, that's definitely one. Um, I have to go just from a pure memory standpoint. Uh, I think the Mac Miller episode uh, forty three, um, because as we know, um, ten minutes before we recorded that, uh, Kobe died. So like that that whole that whole was that, thing that was that episode just... holy fuck yeah yeah uh, that that episode was just fuck that that was that was that was a hard recording <laughs> yeah. that was just hard like to go to 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 go through like Max's entire arc and like and then just end it with obviously his death and everything and then having to talk about Kobe which literally happened like ten minutes before we recorded like that was just. Yeah, that 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 just hit. Um, okay, so that that's de- that's like a solid three for me. Um, actually, I think uh, we mentioned we I think you already mentioned him, but uh, uh, the Warren G episode regulars mount up uh, episode sixty three. Um, yeah. I I I just uh, I think that was another one where like I had a preconceived notion about Warren G, and then. Once we actually got into it, and once I started listening to his discography fully, I gained a much more different perspective of him, of him, and just how a kind of like tragic. There's like a tragedy in his yeah. story, yeah. Like, and you know, that's partly just because he's way too fucking chill about everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but damn, it's just such a tragedy to it. And uh, he did say on. Um, and you know that the uh, single he did with Ty Dolla Sign this summer, uh, that he has a that he's uh, trying to make a movie, and I'm kind of sad about that because I wanted him to hit me up so we can write that. But you know, I guess uh, I guess I just missed a little bit from there. So you know, but but Warren, you know, hit me up. Got good rates. Please let me know. Um, so that's four. 
Oh, oh, OPM was good. Oh, low key, Watch the Throne was good as well. I low key enjoyed that one. Um, oh, so many. Oh, uh, any of the UK BHM ones? Oh, Rodney P was so good. Oh no. Oh, we got, oh bro, this is so much heat. We got so much heat this year. Yeah, we, we um, this year. Fifty Cent was good. Fifty Cent was great. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> bro, uh, so I love. Do you know what the best thing? Just as a, just as a, uh, 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 an honorable mention. <laughs> The funniest thing um, that I've just realised about the uh, episode sixty-five, the uh, Black Eyed Peas episode, is that I didn't even just—I didn't even—I <laughs> didn't even do a description. I just put, "Please just listen to this one and make our pain worthwhile." <laughs> 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 oh, fuck! Shit was oh, very... oh, that's made me cry. That's funny. Oh, oh gosh! Oh, that episode. Oh. That's not our best episode, but it's one of the most memorable because um, just how fucking it? painful that was. It's only that eighty minutes. Absolute... We must have just lost the will to live. I don't even remember what our line that was note so was. Painful. We, just, we just gave up. So we're just like, it. bro, they, this we're done. We're out. We're cooked. <laughs> that was so painful. Um, oh, oh, oh no! Actually, you know what? This is easy. I totally forgot about this one. Um, episode sixty one after destruction became creation. Yeah, that's uh, my number one. It was, oh really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was. Um, yeah, we just spent uh, a whole nearly an hour just like talking about uh, obviously merged George Floyd and everything past that. So it was in. It was at the start of June. So if you guys want to go back on that front and just uh, yeah, we gave just uh, I, we obviously looked through it in terms of music, more of a musical lens, and asking asking obviously um. You know what's the what's the point of celebrities in that case? Because obviously people at that point were talking about like the fact Kendrick didn't say anything, and the fact that Cole went marching, and people were like, oh, Cole's doing this, but Kendrick ain't doing nothing. Um, so yeah, it was, that was a very interesting conversation. I I, I low key just um, I low key forgot we did that one, but yeah, no, just going past that was yeah, that that brought back a lot. <laughs> pull back a fuck low, so yeah, I think that's my five. I, I'm 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 relatively happy with that. Yeah, that's a that's a good five. Yeah, before Charlie guesses my others, I want to talk about that episode because, you know, the podcast to me, I remember actually happened to me recently. I was walking the same place I used to walk when we first started the podcast and I was pretty down, you know, I was pretty low and the podcast always lifted me up. You know, we always had great conversations and there was always good fun and good banter and I was just, I would smile, I would laugh while I was listening to it. It was genuinely, it was was great, man. It, It was really important to me and it's evolved in so many different ways uh, and gone in so many different directions. But I think that episode will always stick out to me because it I've never had someone to just sit down and discuss this stuff with and talk to about this who knows what they're talking about, who is tapped into this, who understands this, who, you know, and, and not to say that Charlie's, you know, been in this situation, but like he at least has a little bit more awareness than the people around me. Like, we, you know, the people around me have no idea. And I wanted... I felt fucking horrendous about this whole thing, about everything that was happening, the protests, about George Floyd, about everything. And yeah, man, I just needed to talk to someone about it. I needed to to listen and to learn and to, to discuss and to have that opportunity to do that over, like, I think we spent 80 minutes talking about it, man. It was, 
it was absolutely essential and I listened to that episode a lot and you know I don't always look back on it great on my performance because I've hopefully have even progressed since then you know it was June so mm-hmm. hopefully I've learned more and, and I'm in a different place to then so it's always hard to go back to episodes like that as someone who's on a path that is never going to end towards you know I guess education and understanding um, because you keep moving along it all the time and you look back and you're like oh man I was a bit cringe there or I you know I was a bit <laughs> You know, I was a bit ignorant there, and I've I've gone past that. But um, right. yeah, that episode was fucking essential. It still is to me. Like I still listen to it. Um, it's hard listen, but uh, and it always will be. I think you know, whilst oppression continues to fucking be thriving, which is just yeah. But um, yeah, that episode right. was 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 great. So that's my number one. But um, if you okay. want to have a guess at the other four, I'm happy to indulge. Um. Uh, I I, f- I feel like because you you came, uh, I think because you came in with that Kano episode with such reverence for him, but then after the episode came out with much more reverence for him, I feel like that's one. Um, uh, I feel like the Andre episode uh, is one. Mm, I feel like you really wanted point. to like proper dig into that one. So that's episode fifty six for those that listened. Um, Oh, uh, I mean, uh, you, you did react to the you did react to the Mac one inch, didn't you? I, I, I was gonna go for that, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you, I think you throw that in there. Um, I don't know if you are into the third verse episode as much as I think, because that was for those that don't know our initial beta episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that we kind of like halfway re-recorded in a way. Um, so I don't know if you have that much reverence to it uh, to enjoy that much. OPM definitely, um, yeah, that that streaks one as fire. Uh, see, I'm I see, I'm wondering like, is he picking the ones where like is is the artist he has most reverence for? Because is he going to pick a J episode? Excuse me, one of the J episodes or the Watch the Phone episode? Um, Got a whole system. Uh yeah, uh the Nas Jay Z beef. I totally forgot we did that one. Yeah, that's fire. Mm-hmm. Um, Mo's death. I I think uh, uh, I I don't know why. Uh, I think I feel like Mo's death was um a good one for you. Um, how many have I named? Like three, four. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but yeah, probably probably those. And I guess maybe the. I don't know. Are you into the first anniversary special that much? I really like that episode. That was originally on my uh, on my list, but I bumped. Oh, it. he's oh he's but, got um, drafts. Yeah, he's got drafts. It was it was he's on the drafts. original list, and then it got um it got shafted off. But it was a great app. You know, I really enjoyed that. Uh, you got a couple. Well, you got three. <laughs> oh, so, there you go. But, no, two. Sorry. Uh, okay. Andre and Mac Miller, but um, yeah. I said three. I was confident with Kino. this. But um, it was it was roots. It was the same roots maneuver, man. Like, okay. uh, yep. I guess obviously I came into the Kano episode with you know I loved Kano, and that was our longest episode. I think uh, we just fucking went off. Yeah. We just kept going yeah. and going and going because <laughs> it was just so much to talk about. But roots maneuver, you know, he he released that one album, awfully deep, that impacted me so much, and it was amazing to discover that it was in no way an anomaly. It was just like this guy is what I adore in artist, just not musician, just artist. Like he looks into the fucking darkness and doesn't turn away. 
and he delivers us what he sees. And yeah, that, that episode was very, very powerful to come away understanding that not only is he, he's just so skilled in so many different ways. He's just a genuine fucking uh, genius in so many different ways. So the Roost Maneuver episode was important. The Mac Miller episode was very important because Mac Miller has always been, I mean, he's just like, it's, what can you say about Mac Miller? He's just meant everything to me. Um, I can't say much more than, it's brutal. It's brutal. I was I was actually at Winnie's house last weekend and we were watching his Tiny Desk concert and she's mm-hmm. just like, don't put this on, man. This is, this is fucked. We can't watch this. Like, And I, I watch, I'm like, no, no, I think I'm at a better place now. Like, I think I can... One song in, I'm like, yeah, you're right. We can't. We can't <laughs> I remember, I remember, I went to after he passed. It was two days after he passed, and we went to this. Um, my friend, uh, two of my friends, and I went to this farmers market, and the DJ was playing Mac Miller, over and over and over again, and no one knew who the fuck Mac Miller was who was standing in the crowd. Like Dang came on, and they knew that, uh, and they were just like, you know. But apart from that, no one knew. It even know he passed, and I actually went up to the DJ in between songs and i said you know no one he knows mac miller and it's really because I, I could tell that he was like he knew he knew and he was doing it out of reverence and i said to him this really hurts do you have another playlist or another set list to play and he was like yeah i do and i said i think it's best if you play that because i don't think either of us are going to get what we want out of this it's going to hurt me it's going to hurt you because no one's going to be dancing no one's going to know these deep cuts only you and I are going to know this shit it's going to fucking hurt us it's just full of right. people who don't know what the fuck's going on right and um when we had that moment it was like these two opposing ways of celebrating him and like we couldn't even connect cuz our experiences with him were so personal and so different you know but we at least mm. agreed that we weren't ready yet and that was and even two years later, I'm listening to him at Winnie's place and we still couldn't do it yet. You know, it's just the, the impact that man had without even me really realizing until he passed. So that episode was was very powerful. Um, of course, the Andre 3000 episode. And it was only because I really wanted to figure out what the fuck was going on. You know, why he hadn't release music in so long and when i figured it out it broke my heart it was horrible like you <laughs> yeah. know what i mean it's almost yeah. like the lauren hill episode we we try to figure it out and we were kind of like well it's just not happening for her you know she, she it's yeah. not fe- she's not feeling it that's okay well it was andre he was trying man he was fucking trying and he couldn't do yeah. it because he just had lost that connection with it he'd lost it so much and he was just caught up in this ball of anxiety and depression where it was distorting everything he did and he yeah. just didn't fuck with it. You know, even if it was great, even if it was brilliant, he couldn't see the good in it. And that interview with Rick Rubin was just fucked, just genuinely fucked, man. Like I was like, whoa, this, he's down bad. And, and that was, yeah, I guess coming to that realization was really challenging. Yeah. Um, the final one. Uh, I do love the third verse one, uh, but for some reason, because I should love it, because it's probably the episode I put the most uh, analytical work into, and I should really love those episodes, but I don't know why it doesn't resonate with me as much as just the Black Eyed Peas episode. And you know, I'll 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 get I'll get serious about it, right? Because I'm being 100% serious, man. It it was one of my favorite (laughs) things we've ever done, I've ever done, because right. 
when we did it, it was like the middle of lockdown in New South Wales and everyone was really fucking scared. Everyone was unwell, everyone. And I remember my parents and I, we just spent like, you know, two months together going on walks and stuff because we were the only people we were allowed to see. And we were driving back from, fuck, I forget where, in the middle of nowhere. And we'd just gone right. on a walk and um, we were not well. You know, we were we were all struggling mentally. And I said to them, how about we just listen to this episode and see what it's like? And when we got to the ringling bit, bro, bro, I can't describe it. I, we were all in tears. The way Charlie was reading out the lyrics, we were just in tears. It was... So to go from that to that is... Only, you know, I I, I want to oversell it. Only very poignant shit can do that. Only important shit can pull you from the doldrums into like the complete letting go and just laughing and feeling calm and feeling connected to humanity again only and it <laughs> it comes from the most ridiculous song ever ringling <laughs> but it fucking pulled us out of the mire man and and for me that will always remain special for the rest of my life you know it won't just be for the rest of the year it will be, i'll remember that moment because we were fucked and that pulled us out a little bit and reminded us that you know it wasn't that bad. Everything's okay. Like everything, we can still laugh. We're still humans. <laughs> so that shit was important to me. I went to a dark place with that, but okay. like, what a yeah. what an episode, man. What a what a fucking. If you've never listened to that episode and you're listening right now, go listen to it right now. It is hilarious. It is hilarious. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Well, that's well, with that with that said, I I I do actually I do I guess um have to gain some kind of reverence for episode since it did so much for you guys. Um and you know that's that's, that's Charlie's that's dramatic cool. reading. Cool Charlie's um, dramatic no, reading will always. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be. But like, no, but that's that's good because I came out of the episode being honestly super pissed off about this group that was like you know so hip hop, but they literally just like threw the fucking they they just threw everything in the bin for mainstream success and while they got that and while i can't complain about the fact they got the bag is the fact that they went back afterwards uh that just irked the fuck out of me so you know i came out of the episode really feeling real fucking annoyed um after after listening to master of the sun like, if they didn't make that album like i would have been like relatively fine and just saying yeah. like you know no, this stuff hasn't aged well you know some of it is garbage. Let's just move on and live with it. But it's the fact they did that album just really fucking irked me. Um, but you know, I I've, I didn't really realize that it was that um, it it did that um, it it made you made you guys laugh that hard. So um, in in such a in such a moment. Um, so you know, I guess in some ways it's it's cool. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess I guess I, I, I find some reverence in the fact that you guys find reverence in it. So. That's all good on that front. I can't complain, but it's not top five. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Fair so. enough. Fucking pain, pain, pain. Nothing but pain. All right, we finish up with like a note. <sighs> Come on then, Charlie, man. Charlie did it. He fucking did it. So <laughs> I didn't do not. I didn't do it. <laughs> tell us the story, man. Tell us the story, because I'm not. I'm not trying to be funny with this. This is a big achievement, and you've you've actually done something pretty incredible. And um, big yourself up, because I'm here for it. I'm all the way here for it. All right. So um, 
it, well, I don't really try and guess it on um, podcasts because it's not really, you know, the place for it. But um, outside of podcasting, I am a screenwriter um, professionally. And uh, four years ago, well, I started writing six years ago, screenwriting anyway, proper writing, well, proper writing, <laughs> article writing and stuff like that uh, eight years ago. But yeah, six years ago, I had a lot of time on my hands and, you know, I... I just started screenwriting just for the hell of it and it's kind of I find it kind of rare when someone like like how it happened for me where like you I literally just fell ass first into my passion um and hip-hop came actually very quickly after that kind of simultaneously actually if, if I really think about it but um but yeah I started writing scripts and for the first few years I didn't really have a software Apparently, software ex- softwares exist. Um, at that point, I was writing on Microsoft Word and stuff like that. Uh, once I got to university, I quickly... At that point, I was actually going to sports journalism um, or journalism in general because uh, four out of the five applications I made were for journalism. And the last one was film and television, which I actually in- uh, ended up going into. Um, so shout out to my dad on that front for just saying pick something completely different just in case and lo and behold in those few months of you know trying to decide what to do uh i went for the i went for the outlier who knew but um yeah so you know at that point i was relatively cocky (laughs) about my screenwriting um not again not knowing at this point that screenwriting software existed so i had a poorly formatted scripts on microsoft word and i thought i was the shit um so i entered a festival called the british open film festival um amongst others and uh once i gathered at the end at the second semester of my first year of university that screenwriting softwares exist i quickly realized that i basically wasted my money on nothing um on basically taking an l so you know i took that and then i went into the summer um that's the next summer to write a completely something completely different that i had never really wanted uh, never really thought of writing before um only had a couple of I gave myself a couple of prompts, like uh, uh, I wanted to write a female protagonist and I wanted to uh, write something uh, that would just, I don't know, that would, some people would go like, how does, how does this person survive, the, uh, survive in this kind of environment? Um, so I was watching Life After People, which was some, one of those random things that you see on the History Channel. And uh, yeah, I basically just, smashed them together and created the, the script I had um so it was the first script I made on software and it was the first script I generally felt proud of um skipping forward to now four years later um I initially kept up with the British Home Film Festival by going to their um uh, live script readings that they do every year so they have a script competition and they pick the three best um and allow that those scripts to be read out little excerpts of it um to be acted out um obviously in usual times it would be in person but in this case it was via zoom uh basically table read vibes and um and yeah just get to you know showcase your work in some way and get a little award for it um so this was something i wanted since the first year of university as i said um and i didn't enter until this year um well technically around this time last year um and 
yeah, let's say it's something I wanted for, you know, four or five years. And, uh, you know, I kind of focused on the craft and stuff like that and, you know, waited until I was properly ready. And I decided last year, last summer, that I was ready. Um, so, you know, I submitted and, you know, I said to myself beforehand that I don't want to go to another live script reading unless one of mine is there. <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, I got the news um, in October, uh, well, actually in September, 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 October, I forget, and uh, that I was that my script got selected, and uh, recently in the past few Saturdays I've been uh, recording with uh, uh, other actor with actors that um, you know got casted for it. Um, a couple via my friend Abby, shout out to her, um, my friend Gabrielle who helped read it, and a couple of other actors that the film festival and others um, helped cast for me, and. Um, yeah, so the live script reading dropped the other day. Um, I got my plaque the day before, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of the whole uh, story of it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been an interesting couple of days and an interesting uh, couple of months for sure. Does it feel, I guess, uh, hmm, that's the right way to say it, does it justify all the hard work? Does it like? Does it make you feel uh, that you do actually have ability? That you are, you know, you know. Does it? Does it push you back to where you thought you were in 2016 when you, you know, thought that <laughs> hot shit <laughs> you were the shit? Yeah. Does it? Does it give you that feeling, or does it validate you a little bit? Uh, validation is an interesting word because, like, when I won my first award, which was um the a little uh. A, uh, a film awards that uh, my uh, my course department at university does, and I won best uh, feature length. What's this? Feature length screenplay. Um, let me just read it. Yeah, best long form screenplay. That's the one. Um, and uh, yeah, when I won that, I felt I at that point I felt very validated um, because it was in front of my peers and they knew how much work I put into it. Um, and that was a script I feel a lot more, a lot, even more proud in because it was actually an idea that I made like when I was like 14. Um, and it's, and it's not even anywhere near the idea that initially was, um, but it's evolved so much over like literally 10 years. Um, but it's interesting you say validation because like I kind of have, I kind of have a back and forth with that word because I validate myself most 24 7 pretty much like I have you have to when it comes to something as <laughs> to put it uh, to not sound sad about it but lonely as screenwriting um mm. you know it's a lot of you know typing down shit thinking about structure all of this all of that all the nooks and crannies of it and you know nobody reads it until you, when nobody reads it un, 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 unless you ask someone to read it. Like you're writing a book, right? It's um, you know, it's 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 similar in some way. Um, but for me personally, I just like to have something finished before someone reads it. And obviously, you've had people write uh, read your chapters so far. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, but um, it's a very lonely craft, and you don't really get much, um, quote unquote validation from it or any you know accolade for it. Um, so. I've kind of, I think, whittled myself down to not get, 
to not get like so super gassed about something like this where you know I am but I'm also focused on the bigger picture um because I have to like I have to be very big picture about these kind of things because there's so much more I haven't even made a proper film yet that hasn't been in education I haven't made a professional film yet you know what I mean so that's really something that needs to be done at some point um, I can write all the scripts I want, but if they don't get made, which is the reason why I'm making them, I don't write them for fun. <laughs> um, uh, you know, if they don't get made, then what's the point? So, you know, I, d I don't, unless the film is made and then maybe accolades come out of that, then yeah, I'll feel a lot more validated personally. Um, but just writing them is literally, uh, what's the word? I uh, don't want to, again, sound cocky about it, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's it's a bit easy for me. Like it really is. It's it's not, um, it's not too it's not too hard for me. Like I, I've I've really tried like to, you know, over the past six years to actually try with it. And uh, you know, at this point, I come across very robotic with it. Um, if for, for people that have written with me, I can come across very robotic about it. But you know, that's kind of just how I feel I need to be, um, in order to get the job done. But um yeah so answering the question i i wouldn't say validated in that sense because i don't look for i technically don't look i didn't even look for the british Open film festival's um uh validation um you know i've i know i'm good i know i am you know of a of a decent level um back it back then it was naivete. It it really was because at that point I didn't really I didn't read any scripts. I didn't know what a good script looked like. Like you know what I mean I didn't put the research in. I didn't put the work in. But now that I have, I know I'm good. So I don't need technically validation for that. As chesty as that sounds, um, but yeah. But regardless of that, it is nice to have someone. And for your people to, you know, see what you have been doing in, you know, in this small case of a 20-ish minute um, excerpt of my script and live script reading. Um, but, yeah, and I, I'm really bigger picture about the about my screenwriting. So uh, uh, I can't, I don't like to get too, <laughs> uh, ref, uh, too uh, bogged down in the accolade of it. And uh, kind of want to keep it moving, but you know, I, I I do feel I guess some sort of appreciation from it, but probably not validation. I don't think that's the word. No, I think that's healthy. I think, you know, I had a psychologist once who said to me that, um, you know, you can't get all your validation internally. You need some sort of yeah. marker, or you need you need something external to give you a baseline. Uh, and but I think when you just gather these things. And you don't pin your entire confidence or your entire, you know, I guess, self-image on them or image of your professional career on them. Then right. uh, they just become part of the fabric and they just become part of you, you internalize them and then they become another way for you to validate yourself, you know, yeah. and it's not so much reliant on getting awards and being recognized and every time you write a script it gets picked up like all this shit right. like that shit can be so toxic you can he head down a very dangerous path yeah. you know we all experience writer's block we all experience setbacks and issues and stuff like that and then you just start doing it for the wrong reasons and then you you know it just becomes a mess you lose grasp of what you really wanted to achieve in the first place so yeah. i think it's very healthy the way that you're interacting with it and i 
still think you know man like we need to celebrate this kind of thing because it's it's great when you get re- this recognition you know you don't do it for the recognition but it's great to have man so i, I just want to say congratulations i know it's been a big thing um and when i saw it i was i was happy i didn't bring it up immediately i wanted to talk about it here because i <laughs> thought a voice message probably wasn't going to be enough you know i wanted to hear the whole story uh and yeah i'm proud of you man it's, it's good work congratulations yeah i appreciate it bro i want to see um yeah, yeah, I, 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 I do, um, yeah, I, like, like I said, I do, like, you know, take it, and I do find, I do have a sort of pride in it, um, in having that plaque, um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> at the same time, I, I, I it's, it, there's this, I have so, such a big vision. Uh, not for not even just for myself honestly like you know uh, it may sound selfish to say like i have bigger things coming but like um it's like the episode of american dad where roger just spends the whole episode saying i got big stuff going on and then it turns out he came to earth as a crash test dummy um so you know it's not i don't want to make it as if i'm that uh hopefully i'm not that hopefully i'm not a crash test dummy um but you know yeah i i have so much idea for and such a vision for like not just this not just the writing part of it but like you know who i want to make it with um who i want to work with and what i want to do past that um so yeah it re- it really is a bigger picture that it takes way too long, it'll take way too long to explain um but in this case i'm just yeah i'm i'm i am happy that uh I can I can just take this dub and uh, you know just check something off the box because you know like I said I've wanted this for you know a good four years and I tried to keep patient with myself and um, you know when I was ready it turns out I was ready and you know that's kind of and I think you know you guys can take something from that you know what I mean so like, there's a lot of times where someone where we feel where we think we're ready for something but we're really not and you know sometimes that can bite us in the ass and um, and also the same in the same uh, vein you can be too cautious about something and uh sometimes it is just worth to just fucking jump off the cliff and if you fly you fly if you don't you don't um but you know that's that's that's, uh, that's on the case by case basis and up to you guys but uh, yeah man i know i know where i want to be and i know where i'm at now so you know it's just uh i just got that clarity bro i just got that clarity so uh yeah okay man i'm glad wonderful all right Ladies and gentlemen, a, a nice heartfelt story. <laughs> nice heartfelt story. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been the last episode. Digging digits of twenty twenty. Technically, five uh, VPN special drop in on the thirty first. Uh, I think that's a Thursday. Um, so don't expect an episode on Tuesday. Uh, well, obviously expect an episode this Tuesday, which is the job. See the drop. What am I talking about? Um, but yeah, the next Tuesday um, is dropping on the thirty first, not the 29th or whatever it is. Uh, and with that said, I am Charlie Taylor, the Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter, Fifth Pop Numbers. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you've enjoyed the series so far. Going to keep it going for 2021. Got the anniversary coming up in the next couple of months. Uh, probably just going to do another IG Live, probably. And I'll probably uh, clink a little drink, you know what I mean? Get, get, a little, get, get, a little, get a little drink in there like I did last time, you know what I mean? Get, make a little thing. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll get you guys to uh, ask some questions about everything about the show or whatever you want to talk about, whatever ha- whatever's happening on February. I mean, just as we speak, there's fucking beef between like four 
four uh, four rappers right now <laughs> so yeah. you know who knows what's gonna happen uh, next year but uh guys uh since this last episode you know what i mean just i hope you've had a good year in the circumstances uh we hope you have a great 2021 great holiday uh regardless of where you are depending if you're locked down or not uh but you know just as just as i said last week whatever you you, you could have done nothing this year but you've already done more than the tory government and that's what you and that's that's what you can take so with that said awesome. <laughs> hope you had a good year have a great 2021 we shall see you there hope you come hope, hope we're going to come with you on that journey but until the next time take it easy ladies and gentlemen all right peace Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is piece of video games by bonus points. Message chill records for the ability to use. Socials for the fulfillment, hip hop five numbers, bonus points, and chill records will be in full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been the Fifth End Podcast Network and Hip Hop by Numbers Collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you in 2021 on Digging in Digits. <laughs>